Greetings in the name of Jesus. Last evening, we were looking at the qualifications of a leader, specifically from 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we went over the one verse there in verse 11 that I'd like to look at tonight. And then I'd like to look at the partnering in accomplishing those qualifications. I think we talked about at the end of the message yesterday, last evening, that, that we look at them and we look at the qualifications and we think that the load is, of responsibility can look so heavy, but you know, it's not to do, we're not to do them on our own. And we wanna look at that. So first of all, we'd like to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. We want to look at the wife. It specifically here talks about the wife of a deacon, but I'd like to look at the wife of a leader here. Verse 11 says, Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Another translation that reads similar, the wives must be of good character, not gossips, but temperate, faithful in everything. Now, in our church, we do say that we don't ordain women, and we don't, but I think we need to be honest and look at, at the responsibility of leaders. Our wives have a lot of influence on our decisions. You know, apart from salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit, my wife is the greatest gift that God has given me as a leader and as a husband. And I want to recognize that tonight. And so I think there is that thing that we have these discussions that we're not ordaining the wife. And I think it is fair that in our minister's meeting, there's three or four of us that make decisions. And we realize that when we go home, that if the, usually if the women are in control, those decisions can be changed. And um, it can create havoc. But I think we also need to re recognize that our wives are a big part of our lives. May it be in leadership, may it be as husbands, may it be on the school board, wherever you are. And so there is, I think there's a reason this verse was put in there. And there is something about our wife accepting that call also. It, accepting the call from the Lord and realizing that God enables this call. And especially for the sisters here tonight, how you respond to that call can affect how effective your husband is in his role. How you respond to that call can affect how your children respond. You know, when we have 
wives and sisters that respond in a way when their husband goes to the meeting all the time and they go here and there. The children take vibes and are listening to what mom is saying. So when the wives resent that their husbands are leaders, that carries over to the children. And, you know, is there resentment when your husband is involved in the work of the Lord? And I realize there's another side to all this and how we as husbands do leadership and do home. I had to think of my mother. It's interesting, my, my father, ever since I was little, I remember him going to Calvary Bible School three weeks out of the winter, and then later he was on the AMA board and would always leave every winter for a few weeks. That was a time when my mother would um, get the siblings to write letters to their father, and Dad still talks about those letters. He, there's some things that he got to know about his children that he didn't know in that time. And it was in that time that there were single ladies from church that had come over and play games with us that week. There were activities over that time that when Dad was gone, it wasn't a hardship. Um, there, was, there was things that we did together as family. And so I, I look at that in the past of how, how my mother responded to my father being going at least three weeks every year and how that affected us and I look on and see how it has affected other children and I think it it's in relationship in proportion with how mom responded in those times so as we look at the influence of a pastor's wives our wives are there to complement our ministry you know, when you think about our wives having conversation with other women, they have a feel, a sense of what is going on in the congregation. Our wives often have honest, constructive criticism for us. My wife is able to tell me straight out, what is going on and how it appears from the outside. She has learned that I don't take hints. I don't catch on very quick. So sometimes I need somebody back there to tell me exactly how it is. And I appreciate that. And so she is, in essence, a part of my ministry. My wife has <clears throat> access to my heart. She knows what's going on. Sometimes she knows more what's going on in my life than I do because I don't stop and evaluate it sometimes. But she is a part of that. Her prayers are powerful. Her gifts can complement my gifts. And you know, in the last few years, it seems that somehow we get busy as men. But there's books she has read, there's podcasts she has listened to, and I come home and she says, Wayne, you should listen to these. And so I tell people she sorts out all these books.
books and podcasts, so I don't have to read them all, and then I get to read the good ones. But there is, there is an influence there. Now, we recognize that as we have worked with other various churches, that wives have caused divisions in churches. Wives have caused divisions on pastoral teams. But we also recognize that many wives have in many ways, mostly in unnoticed ways, strengthened the church. And so, yeah, as we, as we select and nominate leaders, it is important that, according to the scripture here, that we also look at the wives. How will they play into this? How will they work in this. And so it talks about the wives are to be grave or honorable, honest, honoring God, honoring their husbands. Uh, a wife that is not two-faced, saying one thing to one person and another to, to another person. They are not to be slanderers or false accusers. What we say about other people affects the church. How we talk about other people affects the congregation. And so our wives should be discerning with their information because of how it goes. It seems that us as humans, that we're hungry for news, and we really love to spread it. And there, there's something about our human nature that enjoys some kind of juicy news, and we enjoy being the first person to tell everybody else. And I think that's something that we need to, to look at. A wife is to be sober or self-controlled, disciplined. And as we look at self-control and discipline, it equals being teachable. She is to be faithful in all things. She also is a living testimony of the word of God. Last night I read you that passage in 1 Peter that talks about the husband's prayers being hindered because of their relationship with their wives. We also have a passage in Titus 2.4 that says, talking about the women, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And if you look at the opposite of the word of God not being blasphemed, it's the word of God being well spoken of. So we have a scenario here of a husband and a wife if there's a problem in our marriage, his prayers aren't being heard. His prayers are being hindered. And we have here in this verse that the word of God is not being well spoken of. And I told you last night, our two offensive weapons in the spiritual battle are prayer and the word of God. And if they're being hindered in our marriage, what do we have in our warfare? And so I think it's important that there's Communication, there's relationship between the leader and his wife. Otherwise, what is going on in the spiritual battle? It's being hindered. 
and we, we have lost our power. And so we see that of that being faithful in all things or being trustworthy in all things. And so moving forward, we see that as a leader, that it is important to, to consider his wife. And as we think of a leader being somewhat in partnership with his wife, also being in partnership with the team, how well does he relate to the team? The relationship is, is very important here. And we think in this relationship on a team level that there's trust here. How does this leader handle conflict? Is he committed to working through this in relationship? Is he committed to being accountable to others? And as I listen to some leaders, as a bishop, I hear that the buck stops here. He calls the final shot. And in the way that we do administration at Cornerstone, the buck does not stop with the bishop. He does not call the final shot. If we can't agree, there is no final shot. And I think there's something there of accountability in the major decisions of the church if there's a decision to be made and we can't agree, we don't move forward. The buck doesn't stop here. And there are too many churches that are struggling because they have a bishop that the buck stops here. I'm the bishop. I call the final shot. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But the leader needs to be a team player. And as I look at the qualifications that we looked at last night, I think it's very important that we partner with the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at that a little bit, of walking in the Spirit, that of a new life. And I like to read Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26. I think this is something that maybe we don't think about enough. But as we look at Galatians chapter 5, and I like to read verse 16 through 26. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the... <coughs> Excuse me so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strifes, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you 
before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. We could have a week of meetings on the work of a spirit, so maybe I'll just whet your appetite here tonight. But as we look at walking in the spirit, that of a journey, a way of life of walking with the spirit. A few references here, and then I want to go on here. When we see that of walking in newness of life, working out of the spirit, not of the flesh, there are too often I respond or we respond to each other in the flesh and not in the spirit. Romans 6, 4, therefore we are buried with him by the baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And I think that's important for us as leaders and as fathers, is to teach our children after they are born again to walk in the Spirit. When they respond certain ways, you ask the question, was that from the flesh or the Spirit? I think it will make a difference. And then that of walking rightly. That the right, in Romans 8, 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Notice the righteousness there. That of, again, being right so that we do right. It's not that of performing and, and doing right so that we look right. I think if we are right, we will do right. So why don't we start there? A walking in the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to purify and cleanse us so we are right, and then I believe we will do right. Too often we have that backwards. That of the spirit of that of bearing fruit, Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, really all that matters is what's in the heart. Well, really, if a heart is right, what we will do is right. We will live right. And so there's something about the bearing fruit that will be right as we walk in the Spirit. And then we have that of abiding and walking like Christ. First John 2, 6, he that saith, he abideth. And I really like the ETH here. There's a continuation. He that saith he abideth in him ought to himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So we're abiding in Christ 
and we're walking like he walked. Now let me get a little bit more specific here as we think of partnering with the Spirit. So what picture comes to your mind as you think of the Holy Spirit? The first picture that comes to your mind, whether it's the right thing or not. You know, some people see the Spirit as something sensational or hyper-charismatic. Some of us may react a little bit to the word spirit because of the things that we have seen as we see others attempt to manufacture the presence of a spirit sort of in a weird way. And then I think our culture may have jumped to the other extreme where we do not discuss the spirit. We don't talk about it. There's lack of teaching has created a void that is being filled with other things called New Age spirituality. Avoid a Christian and a church should hold for the spirit. People are searching for that relationship. There has been an emphasis heavy on the gifts but not the practical outlook of the spirit. We talk about the work and the power of the Spirit, but I, do I really know him? So as we look at being filled with the Spirit, I think we recognize we have all the energy and power and resources as a leader to fulfill the qualifications that we read the other night. I think the path as laid out in Scripture, we should be energized by the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Spirit affects all of our relationships and all of our attitudes. And so as we look at the Spirit, do we see the Spirit as some kind of force, some kind of influence, some wind, or maybe a dove? I think we see in Scripture the Holy Spirit being a person or a being. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit intercedes. The Holy Spirit has emotion of love and joy. The Holy Spirit feels sorrow. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit can dwell in each one of us. So for an example, I have a few points here of that of partnering with the Holy Spirit. And we want to look at Jesus Christ and his life and how him and the Spirit partnered and worked together. And tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, we want to look at a little bit how the Trinity works together in their positions and you about don't know the difference. There's no competition there for power, position. They fulfill their, their rules. Can the Trinity be a model of the church for us? How we work together. 
and so forth. And we want to look at that Sunday morning about how the Trinity works together, how we should work together, whether we are called to be a, an usher, car parker, a teacher, whether we're a pastor or whatever we are. We should all be working together a little bit like the Trinity. And so we look at how the Spirit was involved in Jesus' life. Have you ever thought about that? And as I look at these, I want you to think about if Jesus Christ had the Spirit involved in his life in the way that he did, surely I want him involved in my life. As I lead, as I walk the journey today. So we look at Jesus' birth. We see that the Spirit was involved there. But in Matthew one twenty it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, talking about Joseph, unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So we see that the Spirit was involved in Jesus' birth. How all that happened, I don't know. But it, he was there. And then I think of our lives. In Isaiah 44, 2, it says, Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, whom I have chosen, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. I think I'm missing a verse here, but we see that the Lord was there when we were formed. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And I want to look at Titus 3.4. This is the scripture I wanted. In the regeneration of us being born again, Titus 3.4, But after that the kindness of the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed on us abundantly before Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We see the Spirit involved in the birth of Jesus. We see the Spirit involved in us being born again. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot or has no power to enter into the kingdom of God. So then we look at the Holy Spirit. We talked a lot about the power, the energy of the Holy Spirit. As we look at Luke chapter 4, verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. 
Notice verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about him. Acts 10.38, the testimony here is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It's interesting that in the healing and the power of Jesus Christ, that the Spirit was there, and it also says, for God was with him. They were all three working together there. And so how do we figure as humans to be able to accomplish his work by ourselves? In Acts 1.8, for us, the encouragement is, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. My question is, how have we been witnessing? Have we been witnessing without allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us? In Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you shall be witnesses. And I think that's an encouragement for us in the responsibilities that God has called us. How are we doing? Are we trying to do it ourselves? No wonder there's so many people that are burned out and just can't go anymore. And then we see the anointing and healing. In Luke 4, 18, here again, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the Lord. This is Jesus saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And that anointing in 1 John 2.27. But the anointing which ye have received, talking about the believers, which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, Ye shall abide in him. Find it interesting how the Holy Spirit dwells in us, empowers us, 
just as he was there in Christ's ministry. I think as we look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, one writer would say, it was a visitation culture where the Holy Spirit visited certain men certain times. But we're living in a habitation culture where he dwells in us. And he is with us. We notice that the Holy Spirit confirms and affirms Jesus in the baptism. And Matthew 3.16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And notice here that John saw the Spirit of God coming down and ascending on him. He says, like a dove. Now, as a little boy, I imagine a dove coming down. No, he didn't say a dove. He said, like a dove. So however that form was, it came down like the writer envisioned a dove coming down. Like a dove and lightning upon him and law a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And tonight, there's something about the ordinations that I believe in the way that we do them. There is something about, I believe, the blessing of the Holy Spirit coming upon the one that is ordained. Through the leadership and through the church and also in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We notice that Jesus in his teaching and preaching in John 14, 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. Now wait a minute, Jesus. I thought you're the Son of God. Now we realize that he was 100% man as he walked on the earth. And, but there is something about here that Jesus said, the words that I speak are not mine. Does that impact how I speak? And the words that I speak? Am I partnering with the Holy Ghost and speaking the things that God speaks, the truth? My dad said, if you preach the word of God, that's hard to argue with. But if I preach my thoughts and my thinking, yeah, you can argue with that. But there is something about preaching in the power of the word and of the Holy Spirit. I think the two to go together. We see Christ doing that. And we see Christ's work in John 5, 19. And answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. And if Jesus couldn't do anything of himself, how can I? But what he seeth the Father, Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So as we think about leadership here tonight, we think about our lives, wherever we are as believers. How, how are we doing life? Have we partnered with the Holy Spirit just like Christ had 
as he walked this earth? Are we allowing God to enable and empowering us through the Spirit to fulfill his calling? I think whoever is called here this weekend, the Holy Spirit can empower and enable that person to fulfill that calling. But I think all of us as leaders, that's a choice we make, whether we allow that or not. And so my prayer is that we embrace the calling, the leader and his wife and his family. And we say, not my will, but thine be done. We are in this together as husband and wife, as congregational. As teams, we're in this with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Ghost. And may God bless you this evening as you think about what is really happening here. As God is calling someone to the leader of this congregation, my prayer is that that leader and you as a congregation would allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, among you, so that God would be honored and glorified. And that it would flow out of us, out of you, to the community and those around you. Shall we stand for prayer? God, we thank you again for your word. And Lord, sometimes we wonder and we question your calling. But God, I pray that we would receive your love, that we would want to do whatever you have called us to. Because we know that as you call us, you also enable us. You are there. You give us the power. You give us the strength. You teach us all things. You guide us through all this. God, I just pray that we would receive you and that we would allow you to do that in our lives. And here tonight, I pray for your guidance, your direction. I pray that each member here would open their hearts to you, your calling. And that together the church here could grow and could walk in your will. Could walk in this journey with the Holy Spirit we just commit tonight to you. We pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.